You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. You're very, very welcome. My name is Ahanu and with me today is Lawrence Schechter. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Angel Rose with us. She's unavailable today and she would really have enjoyed this discussion that we're going to have because we're talking about sustainable architecture. We're talking about harmonics with the earth. And in the past, we have, most of our discussions really have been metaphysical in nature. They've been all about the spirit world. Today, we're actually bringing that down into the physical. And we want to talk to Lawrence about his work as an architect and how he is designing with spirit in mind, but bringing it into the physical, bringing it into the structure and allowing the harmony of the building itself to speak with nature and how the, the heavens and the earth communicate through buildings and all of that kind of thing. So right. we've a lot to talk about. And uh, I know Angel Rose will, will be sorry that she's not here to partake in this, but nonetheless, we have her, her with us in spirit in, in the sense that I know the kind of things that she will want to talk about with you. So mm -hmm. I will ask those appropriate okay, questions great. as well. Great. So you're very, very welcome, Lawrence. Give us a little bit of background about yourself first. Like how come you as an architect, which is usually a pretty 3D kind of a business, mm. how you connected spirit with what you do? Well, I have over 45 years of architectural experience um, gone through the, the College of Hard Knocks as well right. to right. begin with, uh, starting at the University of Illinois. Mm -hmm. And uh, after graduating there about hmm, over 50 years ago, um, found that working in the corporate world was not very satisfying although it was architecturally uh, significant and did a number of really important buildings that, that uh, have contributed to the mainstream. But I found that uh, there was something essential that was missing, and that was a sense of purpose in the larger scheme of things. Right. And um, when solar architecture began to surface in the 60s, um, and 70s, I recognized there was a pathway that made a lot of sense and, in fact, connected us to the larger environment. And um, as inhabitants of a, a cosmic um, uh, outplay of all of our reality, I recognized that we have a part to play right. in that context that goes way beyond just uh, constructing buildings that are um, part of common sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'd love to know how you connect into that part, because we've had many discussions in the past, Angel Rose and I, and our broader kind of spiritual community, mm -hmm. about being able to downstep spirit into your life you know right, and, right. but usually it takes a kind of a metaphysical or ethereal kind of a way uh -huh. do you do what you do as an architect by somehow envisioning 
what spirit would look like in a building or give us an idea of mm. how it manifests into a, a building. That's a very interesting question. Um, I suppose a lot of it has to do with my background um, of many years practicing meditation so okay. that it became very easy for me to become conscious of my higher self right and um, be able to converse with that higher self right um, recognizing that there was really no disconnection at mm -hmm. all um, mm -hmm. and that um, the more I remained focused in that larger context the more the power and the light came through mm -hmm. and um, I recognized that my intuition was very much activated in that process and it was at first a sense that well this is like the spiritual world or the source of spirit speaking to me mm -hmm. and then as I matured through this process, I recognized that there wasn't any separation where spirit and I um, were not one and the same. Okay. I mean, yes, obviously, okay. for many of us, we recognize we're spiritual beings yes. having a physical life experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so connecting to that timeless quality, okay. that infinite quality, yes. becomes more and more natural. Now, there's one project in particular that we want to talk about, or we yeah. want to zone in on today, yeah. and that's your your latest project. But when I say latest, though, it's something you've been working on for quite some time, yeah. and you've been drawing on this spiritual downstepping and this insight and this intuition that you've just spoken right. about. Right. So tell us a little bit about the origins of that, and then bring it all up to today. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, I was commissioned some time ago by some people who called me on the phone and said, we don't know who you are, but we think you're the architect we're looking for. Okay, I like that. And uh, yeah, I liked that one too. Um, and they described to me a, a project that they were getting inner direction to develop. And um, they bought some property at Mount Shasta having traversed all the way across from New, Upper State New York. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> they started to describe to me on the phone this spiritual center that would be a retreat set aside from the normal um, business community in an area that was very much imbued by the power and the beauty of nature okay and of course mount shasta is one of those extremely powerful spiritual places on earth mm -hmm. and that would contribute greatly to that uh, environment and they described some of the um references that they had in mind and and as well as having a an idea that it would be a place for people to to live together for perhaps a week or two under the same roof and have a variety of experiences that would then become a catalyst for optimizing their experience and their creativity mm -hmm. 
and their sense of wholeness. So well, what would have been different about that, though? In, in, because there are many retreat centres yeah. available to people. There are many conference centres and they would all perhaps aspire to have people communicating at a deeper level, communing with each other building rapport. Yeah. So what was really essentially different about this idea? Well, they hadn't mentioned it at the time, and I wasn't aware of it at the time either, except that it did come to me mm-hmm. a little later, and that was when, um, a- a- after I had said to them, well, I recognize what you're talking about here because I got a similar in- input on this uh, several weeks ago, and I know exactly what you're talking about. So uh, let's get together. And we did. And then I said, well, you will need to be very patient here because this cannot just come through my experience and skill alone. It has to come through inspiration as well. Okay. And primarily. <laughs> but I didn't have that experience to, to, to draw from. I just intuitively knew that was the case. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, about a month later, I was in a room with 12 other people, and the love energy in the room was so powerful, I, I characterize it as like liquid gold. Okay, wow. So it was like the optimum kind of love manifested <laughs> in one's entire being. And it was on the, the power and the beauty of that vibration that I received this beam of light that just came right down into my head and it struck me with this visual imprint of the of the geometry of this retreat center and i brought along a little sketch to show you what that was okay so here is the initial sketch that i did it was on a little three by five uh-huh. And I just drew up what came to mind, or came into my perception at the time, as a square for the building. And then inside the square was a uh, set at 45 degrees to the main square, was another square and a superimposed square on that that created like an eight-pointed star with a central rotunda or atrium space mm-hmm. that had... Um, uh, a bridge through it that related to the um, cardinal points. Okay. And then I enlarged it. Now, I, I must comment on this particular little sketch because I know Angel Rose would be attracted to that simply because she's aware that an offset of 45 degrees is an entry into a, like a portal to another dimension. Yeah. And an offset of 90 degrees is actually a stepping into a harmonic, another harmonic universe. Right. So this is very interesting in the beginning. And then, of course, you have the square, which would be like the base of a pyramid. Right. You have the fours, and you also have the eights, and they're significant numbers. Absolutely. And it's all about stability and yeah, strength. Exactly. Right. Okay. And then we also have the quadrants of, uh, in this case, these were uh, sleeping rooms okay. divided into four. So there would be, in fact, 16 of them and this enlargement of that plan just followed on that initial uh, um, um, imprint Mm -hmm. and I was able to record more information there including the dimension of the building about 80 feet across and one of the diagonals of the the inner square was 67 feet in round numbers 
and so on. And um, so this was coming down to you in a flash, like exactly. And you're trying to sketch it out as quickly as you possibly can. I had never had that experience before. Okay. Or since, as a matter of fact. Really interesting. Um, and this was the vital difference in the um, the ingredient that we're looking. You were alluding to um, just a while ago, and that is the sacred geometry right. that's inherent in that, and that it has uh, a power to connect us with a timeless uh, pattern of nature and um, human consciousness. Okay, interesting. That's um, yeah. that we are. You know, we are sacred geometry. Yes, you know, yes, our indeed. very DNA is made up of sacred geometric yeah. configuration. Yeah. So how did this develop then? So now you, you had a, a download of information, you had a rough idea of what like a floor plan might look right. like. And how did that move forward then to fulfill the need of this particular um, group who said we want a, like a yep. retreat centre? Right, right. Well, over a period of time, I waited until the inspiration came back again and I was able to carry forward um, in a in a very uh, interactive level of consciousness, evaluating how options of how to take this geometry in its concept into a practical configuration as a floor plan. And that this turned out to be the basis for a second floor plan. Okay. And then, then taking that, that imprint um, as a, um, you know, a catalyst or a transparent um, pattern for developing the ground floor plan. So and, and the early plans um, allowed me to come up with a configuration that very much maintained the sacred geometry. And I can show you a photograph of the, the, the architectural model that I built there that's looking down on the top of the uh, uh, space with a uh, central uh, meditation level at the third level okay. above the second floor bedrooms um, suites and then that in turn is above the uh, daytime activity areas now might i say this reminds me of a, a crystal or a snowflake even yeah it seems to be perfectly geometrical on all no matter how you look at it yeah well, it's also like a mandala, okay, and um, or crystal. So <laughs> it it takes on the harmonics of that kind of geometry that orders energy in the environment and therefore in our own psychological and spiritual makeup. And so, by having those harmonic relationships, it helps to optimize us and. Uh, move us into a higher dimension of consciousness and co-creation. Right. And as we all know, uh, science has indicated that we use only maybe 5 to 10% of our brain capacity. If even. If even that, yes. <laughs> okay. And so this will be an environment that will enhance our consciousness and those connections that are inherently waiting for us to tap. Okay. Now... We've had, Angel Rose and I, over the last numbers of weeks and months, spoken to several people about Feng Shui yeah. and 
they were talking about the, the layout and the energy flow in a building. Did you did Feng Shui play any part in your thinking when you were looking at this design? Yes. Um, Feng Shui, um, as you know, has a number of different facets of it, one of which is um, out of necessity for protection against Right. Um, dark forces. Another has to do with the the positive energy buildup uh, that can be created by putting the components together in a, an yes. effective way. And certainly, uh, I've had to work with both sides of that issue. Okay. Because in this case, this geometry lends itself to transparency. You can see, for instance. As we, we look at the different levels here of the, the drawing, the plan, superimpose the model, um, that's the top floor. This is the second floor. And then the ground floor, where um, in the ground floor alone, we have an opening that is transparent through the building along its cardinal, along its diagonal. Uh, axes as well as the cardinal directions. Now, according to Feng Shui, transparency through a building is not a good thing because okay. it doesn't contain energy. But in this case, transparency will be an enhancement for a conscious connection with the larger kind of cosmic direction that we are in. And we will use things perhaps like crystals and other th devices that will help prevent the, the loss of energy through those okay. and enhance the perception of our relationship between the, the built environment mm -hmm. and the natural environment. Mm -hmm. So when you were conceiving this now, you, you, you mentioned that the original sketch you realized would become the first floor. So how, did you, how do you build up the layers of functionality? And what I mean by that then is coming right down into the practical 3D level that you mm. need elevators and stairs and storage right, rooms right, and right. toilets and stuff. Right. So how, at what stage does all that come into your thinking? Um, very soon, because um, it has to have a practical function. Mm. And um, that's the, the alchemy that takes place where you're dealing with this kind of spiritual energy and uh, purpose and the functional requirements right and even you know obviously making it conform with current codes and yes. building practices and all the rest of that that yeah. takes a, a full synthesis of yeah. that yin and yang kind of yes. interplay but well, not being an architect now I, you know i always wondered how do you marry the need to conform with, as you say, building practices and codes and all of that with this, this, this spiritual guidance that you're talking about here. So you have a meeting space, for example, and you want it to conform to certain sizes, but at the same time is, is in your mind going on, well, it can't be bigger than this or it can't be smaller than that or it has to... Yeah. Is that what's happening? Well, there is that, indeed. Right. Um, however, the normal approach would be to apprehend the physical requirements first. Um, and of course the psychological, but the, the, the interplay of sacred geometry and subtle energies, mm -hmm. feng shui and so on, 
would normally be uh, less dominant at first and would come into play to okay. um, uh, help you to raise the vibration, so to speak, yes. of the physical environment so that you do have the physical environment really performing its required functions, uh, serving um, the purposes of the building, mm -hmm. uh, and also rendering it so in a way that makes it uh, optimized in terms of its purpose according to spiritual principles. Okay. And would you have encapsulated early on in that initial download, would you have got the image, let's call it, of the entire project? And what I mean is that it's going to have 16 rooms, 56 rooms, it's going to be four stories, 10 stories. Do you know, would you have had all that information mm, at that point? No, no, okay. no. That's an iterative process. You know, the initial seed idea is planted um, deep within and um, the uh, co-creative process of my own intelligence right. and this, and its elevated counterpart, shall we say, right. yeah. um, in the spirit realm, mm -hmm. uh, come into play. And we it's a dance as we go through the process. Mm -hmm. And um, things get um, adjusted. It's just like a, a rocket ship sent off to another planet, you know. It's sent off in a general direction, in a specific direction, but we are always having to adjust fine the, 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 the uh, direction right, yeah, uh, yeah, through yeah. fine-tuning in order to get there. Right. And so in this process, the fine-tuning has mm -hmm. to do with all the practical things mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So that fine-tuning is now at a point where it conforms with all the building codes, it, yeah. it fulfills the function of the retreat center, mm -hmm. it has the meeting rooms and all of that functionality right. that's necessary, it has its position you will position it in terms of the cardinal directions. It's got the sacred geometry. What other considerations were there? Like like light, for example. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how you thought about how you would maximize the light from the the north, south, east, or west, or right. that kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps we could use this model. Sure. In that case. Yeah. We can see here a model that I built of the design. Uh, it has a translucent roof so that we can see the relationship of the exterior to the interior but of course that the only portion that will be transparent would be the skylight above the central atrium space mm -hmm. and um, um, it's very much like a pyramid in a sense it has a 6 and 12 uh, roof pitch and um, which is very uh, uh, typical in the building industry mm -hmm. and um, the, the model shows us uh, a lot of what you're saying, uh, Ohana, in terms of um, how light is brought into the building. Okay. We have light coming in over the atrium through the skylight, and that will have um, um, computer-operated screen devices to, to edit the light, to, to prevent it from being overly uh, overpowering, um, or to darken it entirely at times during the day and insulated at night. But in general, it'll light up this central space, which is a space of celebration and act 
general activities, and it will also provide light over these uh, higher walls that that allow cl these clear stories to provide illumination into all of these eight surrounding bedrooms or from this central space. And so that's, again, like a spiritual principle of the, the, the uh, uh, ratcheting of light down into um, the earth uh, through a single source. And um, the outer eight bedrooms, which you see here, are oriented in an hourly direction and have light coming in from them. And um, they also open out to a corner-covered deck in each of these Very quadrants. Nice. So there are four bedrooms in each of these quadrants, which correspond with the original sketch. Mm -hmm. And then, as you can see, there is the, the square that is set within the larger square. This is 80 feet on the side. And then this touches the outer perimeter of the the... the 80-foot square, and that becomes 67 feet in round numbers. And at the corner of each of those um, points of the square, we open up to the cardinal directions and, and provide light into those spaces, as well as view directly through the spaces that um, also correspond with this um, walkway that connect all four of these quadrants. Yeah. The downstairs spaces are um, seen, um, as you can see here, that um, these have a setback of wall that, that um, uh, allows the upper story to be solid, and this is, this is void below, and it correspondingly has solid below and open above there, and only these corner elements... At, uh, excuse me, the, the, these corner of the inner square, inner square, thank you, are, are full height, and that allows light to penetrate throughout yes. um, those spaces. Huh. And so the downstairs spaces are activity rooms, and um, I can show you on the updated plan sure. what that will look like. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick little break right here and remind our listeners that we're speaking with Lawrence Schechter and he is an architect on a mission, actually, because it's a, a wonderful project that you've developed here and it harmonizes, brings harmony into the building space, into the living space, into the accommodation, into the meeting rooms and is very much in, in line with uh, sacred geometry mm -hmm. and sacred principles and feng shui and all of that. Mm -hmm. But do stay with us, we'll be right back after this break. Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, months of listening, a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you. Join worldofempowerment.com today, a members-only website of practical spirituality for your fast-changing world. worldofempowerment.com Ahanu's book, The Reincarnation of Columbus?, is his true story of the loss of his first child, his pain and struggle with grief, and the guilt that followed. It forms his entire philosophy of life, and is a superb rendering of the unfolding of spiritual awareness. The reincarnation of Columbus is a true epic voyage, from the pain and sorrow of a father's grief, to a new world 
of empowerment, love, and forgiveness. Get your copy on Amazon.com or on Kindle for $2.99 by searching for A-H-O-N-U or visit http colon slash slash thereincarnationofcolumbus.com. That's all one word, thereincarnationofcolumbus.com. Okay, you're welcome back. My name is Hanu, and I have Lawrence Schechter with me, an architect who is into sacred geometry. He's on a mission with a particular design that we're speaking about now. And before the break, we were talking in general about his his design process, how it came down to him, how he gets the idea, how he knows that it's in line with, with spirit and it fulfills all the necessary functionality at the same time. So now we want to talk more about your, your mission, really, how, how that's now pouring out into the community. How, what, tell us what's happening, where it came from, and how it's now flowing out into the actual development of this project. Well, the, the source of all of this was uh, a process of def- redefining what I felt was the higher calling for architectural uh, uh, practice. And I had felt that with all of the technological advances in modern contexts of building, we have only begun to scratch the surface of a higher order of purpose that will help to optimize the support of our development as conscious beings in the world. Right. And we can see today there is a tremendous need for that because mm-hmm. we have so many problems mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with just limiting ourselves to the the three-dimensional, the gravitational uh, component that um, is important, but not an end unto itself. Mm -hmm. And so sustainability is really a means to an end. It's not an end unto itself. In other words, it's a strategy for survival. And um, we need to survive in order to thrive... And that's our real purpose. Right. And innovate. And isn't this innovation? That's right. In action. That's right. That's right. And so when we think in spiritual terms, we're within the context of the grand creation. And we are part of that creation. And we are the fingers of the creative source, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk to us about how this came, like your your mission statement, effectively. Right, right. Describe it. So this particular project is um, one that has a purpose to advance human consciousness by providing an environment that would optimize the conditions for operating at that higher level. Okay. And it will provide an environment where people uh, can come together in a small focus group, say, of... Uh, in, we have... Um, 16 bedrooms, it could be either single or double occupancy, where they would live together for five to seven days, perhaps even longer in some cases, with a number of different uh, uh, programs 
and um, resource people who are leaders in their fields to to work with these individuals so that they will be uh, able to go beyond the constraints of their normal operating mentality. Say, for instance, uh, political leaders. If we get 16 political leaders here, some of whom are adversaries, to be able to, to, to live together for that period of time, um, they have activities, uh, they eat together, there's um, a, a whole programmatic focus on advancing their um, ability to question the way things are and look at what it would be if we, for instance, were able to create peace on earth rather mm. than perpetuating this separation that and I know that many to protect us. You know. Well, I know that many of our listeners would ask the question right now that what is it about this particular building that would allow them to ask the, the what if question or to look towards peace as opposed to any meeting in any other hotel or convention right. centre right. or a government building and ask and asking the same question? Well, I believe that the spiritual inspiration for the design was intended for this purpose so that people could be in an environment that had the sacred geometry, the proportions, the use of light, um, and the, the challenges the environment provides for people to grow and, and to perceive beyond the limits of their present um, um, M.O. And um, by providing a, a, an environment that is set apart from a hotel environment that would be surrounded by a lot of distractions and current conditions that, this, that prevent us from going beyond a certain level, um, this, by contrast, will be like a Zen temple in a way, okay. in its own way, mm -hmm. to help really concentrate on the energetic expansion of possibilities of higher intellectual and uh, mental and psychological um, uh, confluence with one another. So I can see how the breakthroughs that we have experienced with a lot of leaders who throughout history have seen conditions from a different perspective than the, than the norm. And they have been the, the visionaries who have brought forth a transformation right. in, our, in our world. And that's what this kind of building is oriented to, especially with the mandala-type configuration and the geometry. It's going to have an energetic influence on the participants' Um, in terms of their physiological and their mental and spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel that um, the environment can do so much uh, to bring that about because it's like a tuning fork, as we've experienced in places like Chartres Cathedral yes. and uh, many others. It, it's a challenging environment that opens doors in terms of your perception right. and um you're yearning to understand and um, to be more whole 
rising to that occasion. So when you mentioned Chartres Cathedral, do, do you feel that that inner knowledge that led them to the construction of that particular building and several others, yeah. do you think that that got lost somewhere along the way? It was largely lost, okay. yes. Um, fortunately, there have been enough um, uh, people who could recognize what has been sit preserved in the proportions, the geometry and so on, um, and in the windows, what have you, the way light mm. uh, penetrates the darkness, mm. to, to help us to understand what they were doing. Right. And this is what a large part of the intention here is mm. to provide doorways yes. of perception. Now, I have to ask you, in, in some ways, how is this different? Because in Chartres Cathedral, for example, you've got flying buttresses and you've got yeah. all kinds of amazing right. uh, pieces of design that were necessary to support that particular structure. Plus, you had the relationship with the sacred geometry. Now, uh, are those principles carried through here, like the, the golden mean ratio? And Right, they are. Uh, as a matter of fact, now, um, uh, the design has been modified somewhat since its initial conception 40 years ago to include more up dated requirements um, for, for bedrooms, all to have their own bath and so on, but also to incorporate a different way of registering the sacred proportions. For instance, the golden mean proportion, which is uh, expressed throughout nature, mm -hmm. um, is expressed in the atrium space, uh, which is 27 feet across on each side of the square. Well, the diagonal of that um, uh, square is 38.12 feet, which is a, a function of the golden mean proportion, which is 0.618 on to about 50 different decimal points. Yes. Well, the if you subtract that from one unity, you have 0 0.8, 0 0.318, a lot of digits after that. Well, that diagonal through the atrium space is 100 times that. It's 38.12 oh, feet. Okay, yes. See? And there are many ways that we can uh, slice that, that, um, uh, that, Apple, but it inv inevitably comes back to uh, a proportion that of the golden mean a as it as a as a symbol and as a, a, a more than a symbol, a kind of a nucleus of this whole, and um, that geometry then is going to be something that has a. a energetic resonance that's how I can um, that's the best way I can describe it that um, will be felt okay. and um, when you're in golden when you're in a, a space that has a golden mean proportion 
in it that is a prominent element. You, there's an element there that is um, very subtle, and you can't generally tell what it is that makes it feel so profound mm -hmm. and so natural and uplifting. It's usually that. Right. Now, many people will be aware of the Fibonacci spiral as being part of nature. Right. And you mentioned about the proportions being in here. Are there any other aspects of this particular design where, which would demonstrate the, yeah. the Fibonacci spiral? Well, um, the Fibonacci. Um, the Fibonacci is almost exactly the same as the golden mean spiral. Mm -hmm. There are very minor um, differences in it. Um, um, it's more a, uh, a function of the, the, the dimensions of the building which um, correspond across the, the, the four sides to the diameter of the earth at the equator. We have, uh, at, we have 80 feet nominally on each side well, the Earth diameter at the equator is um, just almost exactly 8,000 miles. So we okay. have a correspondence here that's kind of a microcosm mm -hmm. of the Earth. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, the nucleus at the atrium, the place of the, the light penetration mm -hmm. into the other spaces mm -hmm. that embodies the golden mean proportion. Right. And so those two work together um, as a as a concept that is embodied, and we'll also have a pendulum that will will be suspended from the underside of the roof and go through the um, uh, an opening in the walkway, the bridge through there, and that of course will represent the gravitational influences on this specific location. Or even the heartbeat of the Earth. Yes, exactly. It'll, it'll yeah, that's another way to say it. Wow. And so that, too, will, mm. will raise one's awareness of our context within the larger whole. Mm. And that mm. is, you know, when you see that in a museum, you look at this, it's a virtual perpetual motion machine that is created by the gravitational forces of the Earth on its axis around the Sun. And it will swing on its own without any... Absolutely, any... yeah. Once it's set off on its own, the gravitational force will push it from one side to the other. What a marvelous centerpiece. Yeah, right, right. Gosh, yeah. And so, you know, when we're thinking of a place that will blend the best of art and science and governance, which is the principal mm. themes, of course, there will be... And that within a more spiritual, mm -hmm. uh, uh, universal context. Um, how we see our place in the larger whole, the larger situation of energy and co-creation, will be a source of inspiration. So people will see, okay, I'm called upon to rise above my present prejudices, beliefs, and uh, limitations and be open to grow into yes. this larger reality that is all accessible. Yeah. You know, yes. yeah. we are the only limits to yeah. that access. Now, you did mention 
Well, let me remind people first, I'm, uh, I'm speaking with Lawrence Schechter, architect of an absolutely wonderful design really for uh, that is sustainable, it's harmonic, and a wonderful building that will be a retreat centre. And you've mentioned the words sustainable quite some time, uh, yeah. several times. Is there the facility here to uh, generate solar power, for example, or grow your own vegetables, or, you know, t- tell me about how, okay. when you use the word sustainable, oh, what do you indeed. mean? Yes, yeah. well, let's have a look at this roof. Thank you very much. Okay. So, uh, uh, each of these four facets of the roof will be facing a cardinal direction, and say this is the north side, which is the entry side, and the south side is facing um, where the the solar energy is most heavily concentrated during the daytime. Mm-hmm. And on that entire facet of the roof, we will have photovoltaic ray. Okay. And that will provide the majority of electrical energy that will be necessary to run this entire building. And would it be enough from that section of the roof to run the building? Well, yes, mainly because we'll also be conserving electrical use in the building with um, a more advanced technology um, for uh, greater efficiency. Right. And we will also have uh, solar greenhouses on the south side. So here, on the ground floor here and here, that will provide some passive solar energy as well as uh, fresh vegetables that will be grown oh. there for consumption in the building. Fantastic. And we will use a lot of the uh, effluent that will be uh, the liquid, uh, the gray water for underground irrigation. Um, and um, we will be conserving water from the roof in underground cisterns for irrigation purposes as well. We'll have state of the arts technology throughout the building to conserve energy. Um, and um, uh, so it, it will be operating at a near net zero energy performance level, which is something I've done in a number of homes. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Is this replicable? In other words, this design goes gets built. Yeah. Is it likely that every country will want one of these, every community would want one of these, every government, every state? It's entirely replicable. Um, and... The idea here is that we can see this being an initial stage in a process that would then grow out into a network um, regionally and then potentially uh, internationally. And, of course, each region would require a modification of the... uh, um, the architecture in order to be consistent with its locale and its in, uh, and its climate and and its cultural context as well but the interior makeup of the building would be essentially um, uh, the same and that would help then to for economy's sake where a lot of things could be prefabricated and you know shipped different locations that may not have those advanced technologies yet. And then this would be part of a network of 
um, these centers that will transmit information and teachings and so on through live streaming um, and teleconferencing and so on so that we could have some world-class spiritual teachers, scientists, artists, and so on to to um, provide um, inspirational and informational um, talks that will be downloaded to all those in the network. Wow, what a beautiful vision. And just one final question, because yeah. we do have to bring sure. things to a close. Uh, I know also that many of our listeners and our viewers would be interested in perhaps having this as a design for their own home. Now, I know you've particularly designed mm -hmm. this for, for the functionality of uh, lots of bedrooms and meeting spaces and so on. Yeah. But is it possible to adapt that to a client's needs that said, well, look, I want all that harmony. I want that design. I want that mm -hmm. functionality. I want the cardinal directions. I want the proportions in my own home. Is mm -hmm. that a possibility? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have had clients who have asked for some of that, mm -hmm. um, and that is entirely possible depending upon the conditions of their their location and and you know what size of mm -hmm. space um, and kind of budget that they have. But mm -hmm. certainly, many of these principles are transferable uh, to their own, uh, a residential scale and. Um, I've employed the use of the golden mean proportion in a lot of the homes that I've designed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's without the owner even knowing. Okay. You know? yes. yeah, it yeah. just enhances the healing quality and the resonance, the, the sense there, of peacefulness. Isn't, isn't there a recognition in us, though? We recognize it without necessarily yeah. it being cognitive. Yeah, we, right, right. And often an architect will have an inner road with their clients who would be inclined to go with his suggestion, his or her suggestions uh, as part of the design strategy. As long as it mm. fulfills their basic requirements, then we can always mm. do a, uh, an enhancement, an added value, yes. so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Lawrence Schechter, tell people where they can get in contact with you. Give us your website and your details. Okay, okay. thank you. It's schechterarchitect.com. Um, and um, do spell that out though because okay it, well perhaps you can put it we will we'll put it's a it, listing we will absolutely schechterarchitect.com yeah super okay that brings us to the end of our program today we're absolutely delighted for you to come in I know as I said in the my beginning, pleasure Angel Rose will, <laughs> would have loved to have spent uh -huh. some time with you today do come back again because we want to follow the development of this. Okay. We want to be able to see this as as the foundation stone goes in. And we want to talk to you about the difference it's making in people's lives. So we, we do want to stay in touch about that. And also there will be an opportunity for people who are so inclined to help contribute towards its manifestation financially. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll get that set up. Yes, and they will be able to do that through your website. They'll contact you through the website. Um, we, we'll work... We'll work my own personal. Okay. Plan. All right. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you. My in. pleasure, too. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.